Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. Due to Memorial Day being earlier this week, we thought we would do a special edition of stories of people in our military talking about some of the creepiest things that they've ever seen. We want to give a big thank you to all of our active duty military, all of our veterans, and especially to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Because most of our participants are active duty military, all of today's stories will be anonymous. Where to begin? I'll tell my favorite story. In 2006, I was with the 31st MEU in Okinawa. They had just built a new headquarters building and were going to be moving into it the next week. I was the duty clerk at the old building that night. The building was a long rectangle with an entrance midway down one of the long sides. Right in front of the entrance, there was a desk for the duty clerk facing the door and a couch to the left of the desk. Then there was a hall going right and left leading to the offices so the clerk could lean back in their chair and see the whole length of the building. There was a fence around the whole building with only one gate right in the front that's in the side of the duty clerk desk. Yes, the layout is very important. Anyway, the day goes by. I'm answering the phone. I'm checking people into the building. You know, normal stuff. 16.30 arrives and everybody starts heading home. Around 2200, the SNCO and duty driver went to get some sleep. Another hour or so passed and all is quiet. Around 2300-ish, I heard footsteps down the hall to my left. I leaned back, saw nothing. I figured it was the MEU Sergeant Major heading to the bathroom. He'd actually been living in his office due to a big fight with his wife. So I just shrugged it off. Then I heard the footsteps to my right. I knew there was only four people in that building. Two sleeping in little rooms right by my desk. The Sergeant Major on the other end of the building and myself. I kept hearing the steps. First on one side, then on the other. I started getting creeped out, so... I stepped right outside the door to have a cigarette. During normal business hours, the smoke pit was behind the building, but since I had to be able to hear the phone, I had to stay right there. Right as I light my cigarette, I see two figures come around the side of the building, outside the fence. It startled me, but it was only two of the camp guards, one of whom was my buddy doing the rounds. I told them about the footsteps, so they did a check of the other entrances to the building to make sure that they were secured for me, because remember... I couldn't leave my desk area. Then they hung around for a few minutes, just kind of chit-chatting, shooting the breeze. As they were leaving, the one I hadn't met before joked, If you hear the footsteps again, ask the ghost to keep you company because maybe he's bored too. About ten minutes after they left, I heard the footsteps again, to my left. I yelled down the hall, Hey, if you're going to just keep walking around, come over here and hang out with me for a bit. I'm bored out of my mind. I kid you not, the footsteps passed behind me and went to the couch I mentioned earlier before stopping and an indent appeared on the couch cushion just like someone had just sat down. Figured I'd make the best of this weird situation, I said, Well, thank you, and how are you this beautiful night? Of course, I got no response, but after about a half an hour, the indentation disappeared and I didn't hear the footsteps again the rest of the night. I never did duty at that building again. The next day, they began moving the contents of the offices over to the new building, which had its own stories to tell. 
most notably hearing voices on the intercom after everyone had left for the night. It was not pleasant to be doing the hourly walkthrough and suddenly hear a voice I knew was not the SNCO on duty coming from the intercom. At first I thought it was a wireless transmission from a radio or something, but the system was not set up to receive wireless transmissions. It was an entirely wired-based system. The worst was the night that I was in the duty office and I heard, I need help here, he's dying, coming from one of the offices. We didn't have a way to tell which office the transmission came from. If someone needed something, they had to identify who they were, so I ran to do a check of every office on every floor. There was no one in the building, not even the sergeant major who at this point had moved into the base hotel. I have other stories, but this is already long, so I'll stop. During the field training portion of my marine combat training on the west coast, we hiked from the main area to the place known as Range 314. This is where we would do all of our patrolling and combat marksmanship training. This area has been used for a very long time, and there were definitely some stories that emerged from the range. The first one was about how back in the early 2000s, there was allegedly a marine who committed suicide by loading his rifle, walking into a porter john at the range, and then shot himself in the Porter John. He literally had a crappy grave, as rumor has it that the Porter John was simply wrapped up, then transported away instead of removing his body out of fear of traumatizing the Marines that were still training there. His ghost has been reported by the Firewatch to be walking near the site of where he committed suicide. Also out on the range, Firewatches have reported that there is a lone figure of a Marine with Vietnam War era gear walking on the target range itself in the dead of night while training is not in session. As far as everyone knows, the scout snipers and the recon marines did not train in this same area. Those units would have been the ones known to use unconventional gear that looked a lot older than what they would typically use. Now back to my personal experience. One night I was scheduled to have a fire watch with a friend between the hours of 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. We geared up for our one hour watch. One usually heads outside to stand post next to a steel container that served as an armory, while one was to stand guard in the little Quonset hut that we were staying in. For some reason that night, I felt a weird intuition not to leave my friend alone next to the steel container. After about 15 minutes, I took it upon myself to walk to the steel container where I noticed my buddy looking terrified. Curious, I went up to him to see what the problem was. We then both heard creaking sounds from what was supposedly a soundproof container. Both curious, then terrified, wondering who could have made their way into the armory without us noticing. This container was padlocked and had no holes in there for animals to crawl in. My friend had a strong intuition when it came to paranormal matters, and this situation was starting to freak him out. Noises within the container stopped, only for the noises to begin outside near where we were standing. With the exception of the two of us standing outside, everyone was fast asleep. Yet, there we were, both alone in the mix of the Quonset huts, hearing scratching sounds that were originating somewhere in the night. This was compounded by some wind-like and kicking sounds that was creeping closer to us, with rocks that were being discreetly thrown at us by something, somewhere that we could not see. 
This was in no way a prank by our combat instructors. We knew that coyotes were in the area and can distinguish them from other howling sounds, but these sounds were not from animals that we were told about. I then found myself reciting the St. Michael prayer, falling back to a prayer that was taught to me by my parents when I found myself in a spiritually dangerous situation. My friend heard my whispering and asked if he could pray along too. I taught him, line by line, and as the hour crept by, we kept hearing those abnormal sounds. We were scared to the point where we were trying to rush the incoming firewatch to replace us. It felt like those guys were slow as time seemed to slow down for us. I was beginning to get pissed by the fact that proceeded to throw a rock at the hut. One of the replacements comes out, annoyed by the fact that I'd just done that. He asked that I not do it again, then he disappeared back in the hut. Even more aggravated, I picked up another rock to throw at the hut once more. I threw completely missing when my friend and I both heard this unhuman screeching sound, followed by a flapping around. Now, according to my friend, the look on my face went from being suntanned to deathly pale, complemented by the most terrified look on my face. I could say the same for him, since he saw the source of the noise itself, saying that it was in no way an owl, but like some dark, unhuman-like flying shadow. By 3 a.m., the noises slightly faded, but my friend and I decided to stay on the next watch with the incoming replacements. Somehow mustering the courage and the logic that there would be less paranormal activity if we increased the number of Marines on Firewatch. Nothing really came of it the first half hour, but then we all collectively heard the hooks on a flagpole tapping. This was followed by a tin can that was rolling around somewhere near where we were standing. What made it even creepier was that there was no wind whatsoever that night, leaving no explanation for those noises. We all were eventually replaced after that hour, but that experience, that stuck with us. I had just one paranormal experience while I was in the military, and let me tell you, that was enough for me, especially as I don't believe in the paranormal or supernatural and still don't, but this was just weird. It was during the last few years of the Angolian Civil War. I was an artillery gunner by trade, but had tired of the other team taking pot shots at me with their AKs and their mortars, so I landed a cushy job as a radar and radio in the Caprivi Strip, Namibia. I was trained on a G5, which is a rather loud but otherwise impressive cannon. Our platoon of 12, a lieutenant, NCO, and 10 gunners were guarding a base that was designed for 500 troops, but fighting had shifted further west, where we had just come from, and the base was practically empty. It was a new base, the old one was about 300 feet away, but it had been destroyed in a mortar and rocket attack a year or two back, killing a few of our lads in the process. The base was about 500 feet in circumference and consisted of a very large sand wall topping with sandbags, barbed wire, etc. The sand wall built over a thick corrugated iron semicircle pipe so you could walk through the walls relieving guards or delivering ammo and such. In the center of the camp you had a kitchen, a mess hall, a bar, radar tower, and a radio room also in a corrugated iron bunker. In the middle of the bunker was the radio station. On one side was the lieutenant's quarters, 
and on the other side was the exit. It was about eight feet across the base. It had a curved ceiling so you could only walk upright in the middle, and it was about 60 feet long. The radio station consisted of a single desk with radio controls, wires, etc., all neatly draped over the desk. The desk was set to one side of the bunker in the middle between the lieutenant and the exit. I had the midnight to 6 a.m. shift. As usual, it was quiet. The generator was off, radio running on battery power, and I had a few candles going from which to see. Every hour, we would check in on the other bases. Sometimes we would listen to the Cubans chattering away, and otherwise we would just read books or magazines. I had adopted a black kitten who was asleep on my lap, and the base dog, a chubby little mutt, was at my feet. The kitten was wild when I first found it and was totally fearless. The dog, I'm sure, had been abused in the past and was timid and not used to being treated kindly, but we got attached and both animals followed me everywhere. It was about 2 a.m. I was happily reading away when the cat shot awake and dug its claws into me. A second later, the dog is awake and standing up. It was only then that I heard the sound of boots walking slowly down the bunker from the exit. With candlelight, I could not see the end of the bunker, but I could see about 20 feet each way and easily see the other side of the bunker wall. So I waited to see which of my gunners could not sleep and decided to pop in and say hi. Well, the cat starts hissing and backs into my shirt. The footsteps continue, but I still can't see anyone. The dog, whom I've never heard make any noise besides a whimper, suddenly growls, and all the hair stands up on his back as he backs into the wall next to me. Now, I'm a little nervous, but not sure why, as I'm not a jumpy person. I get goosebumps, and all my hair stands on end, and the sound of the boots keep coming closer and closer. I should be able to see the person, but for whatever reason, I can't. Then, all three of us, cat, dog, and myself, start shaking as the boots walk right in front of us. Hesitate for barely a second and continue walking past us. But there is no one there. Our three heads are all staring at the exact same place at the sound of the boots where someone should be. But there's nobody there. Still shaking and holding the cat in my shirt, I walk down the bunker following the footsteps and there's no one there. The lieutenant is happily snoring away and his door is firmly closed. There is no other exit without going into the lieutenant's quarters. I turn around and I nearly wet myself as I trip over the dog who is right on my heels. The three of us go back, grab the radio and the candles, head back to the bunk rooms to stand the rest of my duty with my comparative safety of the other sleeping gunners. The next day, the others admitted that they had heard people walking about, but assumed it was their hearing or possibly the monkeys, and they were probably mistaken. What it was, I don't know, as I don't believe in ghosts, but those boots were very clearly and loudly walked straight past me down the bunker, and there was no one there beside a cat with its claws embedded in my flesh, and a timid dog that growled while all the hair stood on end. by myself in the engine room of a submarine on Midwatch. Just a newly reported soldier trying to find equipment so I could display knowledge to one of the watchstanders. 
There are a number of bays in the engine room lower level with narrow passages that pass through the center. I came down one of the ladders and I swore I saw someone walk across the ship about 15 feet in front of me. I could hear his footsteps as he walked around the corner and right out of sight. Three problems. One, he was wearing utilities, an older light blue blouse and dark navy slacks. Nobody had utilities anymore. They had been phased out three years earlier. Two, there was only one other person awake in the engine room that late at night, and he was standing at the top of the ladder behind me, waiting for me to come back with the answer to his question. Three, he wasn't actually there. I wrote it off as sleep deprivation, but I'll admit it shook me for a while. We're going to fast forward to four months later. I'd gone out to sea with another submarine of the same type. While I was there, I met a sailor who had previously served on my ship. After a few weeks of standing watch with him, he told me the story of a sailor who had committed suicide while on watch when he served on my ship almost a decade earlier. In the engine room lower level. In his utilities. I wish I could have gotten a picture of the look on my face. I'm sure it was the definition of disbelief. As a Marine, I used to have the graveyard patrol shift at the Beirut Bombing Memorial. Part of the memorial is dedicated to a veteran cemetery. Oddly enough, I never got freaked out being completely alone in a remote cemetery in the middle of the night, surrounded by dense woods on all sides. It was actually kind of peaceful, to be honest. However, one night I was patrolling near the perimeter fence where some of the oldest headstones are, when I heard the sound of a woman humming. I followed the sound and I noticed a light glowing through the vines and the brush of a large tree. As I approached, I could literally feel my hair beginning to lift as if there was an electric current in the air. I pushed aside the brush and what I saw nearly took my breath away. It was an old weathered headstone with a large cross etched into the marble. Only the cross was glowing a bright vivid blue, almost like a, a neon bulb. The humming was also suddenly much louder and had a weird plurality to it, like it was coming from hundreds of voices at once. Needless to say, I freaked the hell out. I screamed like a scared little girl and sprinted back to the parking lot. I radioed the guard who was supposed to relieve me and forced him to come early. Then I spent the rest of my shift in the cab of his truck. I don't think he believed me, but he did stay in his truck and didn't go out on patrol until the sun was fully up. A few days later, I worked up the nerve to return to the grave, during the day, of course. As I suspected, in the light of day, it was a completely mundane headstone. There was no name, only the aforementioned cross. I ran my hands over the stone and I checked to see if maybe there was some sort of hidden light source or solar panel, but no, it was just plain, solid, unremarkable stone. The humming was gone also. I eventually returned to my normal shift, but never again experienced anything out of the ordinary. I never actually learned whose grave it was either, but I find myself thinking about it from time to time. It certainly sounds absurd when I say it out loud, and I suppose I could have had an hallucination or a trick of my tired brain, but I don't believe it was. I think it was real.
a ghost or a spirit of some sort, but I don't think it was malevolent at all. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.